my friends, fellow evolvers, and curious people everywhere. Welcome to this episode of Being with Sally Wilson. I'm Sally Wilson, and my very, very special guest today, and you can see by the big grins on our faces if you're watching this, you can probably hear it in my voice <laughs> if you're listening, is my very special friend and colleague, Liza Jane Soden. Welcome, Liza Jane. Oh, thank you, Sally. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> We've been looking forward to this for a very, very, very long time. So, so Liza Jane is a TRTP practitioner. She's also a marketing specialist. Um, she's a very gifted woman, to be honest. And <laughs> what we're largely going to be talking about today is Liza Jane's background, which a lot of you will find fascinating. So, Liza Jane, can you tell us how you grew up? Hmm. <laughs> I think not only your listeners will find this fascinating, maybe my friends <laughs> and <laughs> colleagues, uh, because certainly I, I hit what um how I grew up, and um, I'd like to just say from the outset that um. I understand and appreciate what religion can bring to people, whatever religion that they follow, and I'm really respectful of this. Mm -hmm. This is just my story um, and from some amazing work I've you know, I've done with you know, a TRTP with Sally, I've been able to have bring awareness to the impact that it had on me. Um, and so I just wanted to share that, mm. this story. Um, so I grew up in a Jehovah's Witness household. Now, the core belief of Jehovah's Witnesses is that um, Armageddon is coming soon, so the end of the world. And the right. only path to survival is following the rules of Jehovah. And the reward for that is to live forever in paradise. So we were warned that um, Satan and his demons, which were angels that had turned away from Jehovah and his beliefs, um, would try and influence us. So we were mm. warned against worldly people and activities. So that meant we didn't celebrate Christmas, birthdays, Easter, we were frowned upon watching TV programs, listening to music, reading books that mm. had swearing or worldly associations, sex okay. scenes, drugs, sexualized so, dancing. So worldly, hang on. So worldly, worldly is how, so can you just describe that a bit more? Just explain what worldly means within this um, within the Jehovah's Witnesses? Yeah, so worldly is um, acts of sin or going against Jehovah's beliefs. Okay. So um, that would be um, other religions, so pagan origins with celebrations. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, um, having sexual relations before and being married, um, just, you know. Okay. Yeah, a huge range of different influences that are against the beliefs of Jehovah's Witnesses and the rules of the Bible, the New yep. Testament that they follow. Okay. And so um, we were encouraged to only associate with Jehovah's Witnesses because mm -hmm. contact with those worldly people um, 
even at school or just outside of that could be a bad influence and that um, it was all in an effort to keep us, our spiritual health, um, you know, unstained right. and ensure that we remained it in good standing with Jehovah. So we could survive Armageddon and live forever. And so if we disobey Jehovah and his rules, there was obviously punishment um, for sinning, you know, partaking in worldly activities. Um, at the you know, large extent end, we wouldn't survive doomsday Armageddon, so we would die, but we could be shunned by the congregation or the church, yeah. disassociated from our family so our family members couldn't speak to us. So right. growing up with all that, it's like, oh, my goodness me. But also when we went to school, we weren't allowed to sing the national anthem. We weren't allowed to participate in uh, classes or assemblies that were associating with pagan festivals such as Christmas or religious studies. We had to like walk out of class and go to the library during that time. And um, that in itself was mm, that's quite intense. You're not allowed to fit in. You're not allowed to belong, right? No. It's not safe for you to belong. Well, you seem as a coot. What? <laughs> Why are they going out there? Yeah, yeah, and, right. And I was raised up until I was a teenager and I never got baptised in the faith, um, which really officially integrates you as a member um, because there is a process and the commitment that you make. Um, but what's I was the thought... commitment? Sorry, LJ, what's the commitment? If you're, if you're baptised into it, what, what changes then? Oh, well, you dedicate your life and service to, um, to Jehovah. So you uh, participate you're um, witnessing and preaching this and trying to save people and get people to join the faith so they can right. not die and live forever. So you don't go on and have an education or a job. You can, you sacrifice your life to wow. witnessing. How do these people um, pay the bills? Well, they take on smaller side, side jobs or, um, Wow. Okay. Yeah. They, it's, it's, yeah, it's extraordinary, right. um, but they do, they give up and they dedicate their life to that. Um, so whilst I never was baptized up until like my late teenage years, I was fully integrated into the daily ongoings. Right. So we attended Bible study school three times a week. Mm. Plus we prepared for those meetings. Then we would go door to door knocking every Saturday. Because <laughs> it was most <laughs> utmost importance to preach the truth. That's what mm. they, you know, entitled this. Mm. And say save people. Um, you know, they what they want people to be like, hey, this world is no good and Armageddon's coming. And so join us and you can live forever. And why do they want to live forever? Um, well, uh, they want to live forever in what's called paradise. So right. Jehovah is going to end the world as it is because it's full of worldly associations, it's full of war and everything okay. like that, whereas 
um, living forever in paradise. It's peace on earth. There'll be no okay. disease. It will be peace. Okay. So, because um, I'm totally ignorant here. So, I'm going to ask another really stupid question. No, no. <laughs> okay. So, we've got Jehovah. Yes. Is Jehovah God? Who's Jehovah? Yes. Jehovah is okay. God. And okay. his son is Jesus. Right. Okay. Just just because I wasn't sure because I've, uh, you know. <laughs> yes. No. I, great question. So, and it's interesting you say that because I was born like this is the belief that was laid my foundation. I didn't, didn't know anything else. Yeah, and yeah. Satan was like, you know. Says in the devil, and so he is—he's running the world as it is, um, and that's why there's war and terror and pain. Um, and Jehovah is going to create this paradise where that will be free from pain and suffering, and they'll live right. forever. Okay, all right. This is—I'm—I'm I'm getting I'm getting more of a picture now. And so, who started the Jehovah's Witnesses? That's a very good question. Um, I think it started, so don't quote me, I would yeah. have to look this. I think it started um, out of the US uh, by a gentleman that, um, you know, yeah, created a congregation and fellow worshippers and then okay. proceeded through there. I'm not very clear on, on okay. that. I would have to come back to that. Yeah, no, but once, yes. Once no, again, interestingly, curious. because I, we were just being taught the truth and really, you know, a Jehovah's Witness would say, well, it was Jehovah and his teachings and through the Testament and the creation of the Bible and then it's created from there. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So something we'd, I'd, I'd have to look up and maybe we can have a little side note of where you can find <laughs> out about that. Look, it's not it's not that important. It's just that it's it's interesting how that you know that there is usually a person that yes. starts um I don't even know what to call it within a religion, you know because uh, we're talking about Christianity, but a very specific, aren't we? But a very sp- okay, I don't even I'm not even going to try to define because I just don't know. But <laughs> But we, you know, as I said before we started this conversation, um, I I had certain, I realised I had certain preconceived ideas. I mean, coming from an absolute place of ignorance, but from my experience as a child um, growing up in rural Victoria, my, my only um, sort of contact that I'd had with Jehovah's Witnesses was one or two carloads of people coming down our drive whole families um, and not really saying who they were, <laughs> but they're not leaving. Um, and <laughs> that was my, that was my experience to the point where, you know, mum would say, mum, you know, see a car coming over. She'd be like, oh, it's Jehovah's Witnesses. We'll pretend we're not here. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my, that's my experience as a child. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm in the car going, <laughs> Feign some illness, hide, because imagine if I knock on the door and it's my school friend. Yeah. Yeah. And here I am, like, going to give them a Watchtower Awake, which was one of the publications, and roll off some speech I had, you know, learnt. 
Because yeah. as a young person, I was encouraged to stand there with my parents or another witness mm. and tell, knock on a stranger's door and start telling them. Yeah. How to live their lives and yeah. what yeah. they're doing wrong. Is that, yeah. I'm sorry, am I, I'm putting words in your mouth that may not be accurate at all, but I mean, that because that was another perception of mine was even the the name Jehovah's Witnesses, I thought, is that another word for a spy? <laughs> are you spying on me? <laughs> what are you witnessing for? <laughs> you know, and and how do you know? How do you know that I'm not living a good life? You know, they were the sorts of things that came up for me. <laughs> and so when you were a child, how did you even, L- LJ, how did you even make friends because I mean if if you're if if you had been you know grown up if you'd grown up with the belief that anyone who's not in as they called it the faith right anyone's not in the faith is worldly and therefore run by Satan and living a well I don't a bad life like a, a life that's not that's not pure or whatever how did you even trust people enough to make friends outside of the faith itself how did you do that When I was younger, I and like so primary school, I don't I didn't have a lot of friends. I was trying to fit in. But how do you fit in when you're a bit of a kook? <laughs> um <laughs> and I do I remember this. Um and I, I, I I'm a twin. I have a beautiful twin brother. So um I was very much connected to him quite a lot. And I think they separated, well, sorry, I know they separated us in grade four. So I had, mm. but I didn't really remember having firm friends because I was just, yeah, trying to fit in and trying to make sure people didn't think I was a kook, you know, and, um, but, and LJ, be associated how, with me. But how did you, but why did you think that, you'd be seen as a kook when you were when growing up in the faith was the normal do you know what I mean like how did you have how did you develop that awareness that I mean I would have thought that what would would more easily happen would be that you would think well no no, we're normal I'm normal and they're all kooks (laughs) so how how did that sort of Well, uh, going when I eventually went to school, um, because I didn't attend school very much in kindergarten, grade one, because I was a very anxious, nervous child, and we'll get to we'll get to that. Mm. Um, But I saw all these people, you know, who were doing other things and having fun, and then I was like being taken with my siblings to another area, and I'm like, why am I missing out? Mm. Am I like that? chosen one I'm like oh I want I want to have fun or and I want to have you know the number one human need is connection I want to connect and have friends so being removed all the time and not being able to participate in stuff that lights children's faces up and everything I'm Mm. like oh and (laughs) and I think also it was really hard for me because I think about what I was learning um, as a child. So, you know, in addition to all that um, Bible studies and witnessing and everything, we we were reading from like 
daily scriptures and publications from Jehovah's Witnesses and um, books especially created for children that were titled My Book of Bible Studies. Um, and, and so that's what I was learning. I was almost filtered out of other things that other children had and learnt. So... You know, I think when I was at primary school, I'm like, oh, well, that's exciting then. What's that about? You know, I don't get that from this. Mm. And I, one one thing I vividly remember, and in doing this work now, I realise why I was scared of the dark and, and also such an anxious child, mm. is that this book of Bible studies, whilst it had beautiful pictures of people in living forever in paradise, it had disturbing illustrations of the ground opening up and people burning and children mm. screaming. And, mm. um, you know, I, I think there was a picture of a man holding up a baby who was going to cut in two. Like these are Bible stories, but to a young child, it's like, oh my goodness yeah. me, I'm going to die. And so I, 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 yeah, I was scared of the dark. I think till I was about twenty nine. Um, Makes complete sense. I mean, yeah. even just, even not just, even the idea that the world is ending. Yes, growing well, this up is, with that. <laughs> well, this is really interesting. I I slept within my parents' bed till I was fifteen because I would go to sleep in a room with a light on because I was scared that Satan was going to get me. Yeah. But then, if I heard the wind or a thunderstorm, I'm like, that's it. Armageddon's coming. <laughs> yeah. And like I'm like running into sleep with mum. And that continued to us 15. Yeah. Like, yeah. For a small child, like think about that that fear that I must have been in. And these are big, scary concepts that we weren't learning about when I had my brain was fully formed and I could be understanding that and and critically analyze it mm. no it's from straight away so it was like a fear of death fear of losing my parents and my siblings being alone in being in pain yeah yeah wow and and so I mean and the interesting thing to me here is that I'm sure and we're not here to talk about your parents or anybody else but I'm sure they were in the Jehovah's Witnesses, because and and being in that and tr teaching you about it, they will think that they were thinking they were protecting you, oh, and they 100%. were doing absolutely one hundred percent the right thing by you, right? Oh, they loved us, absolutely. so they wanted us to survive. Yeah, they, yeah. You know, they were like they were coming from, and that's also why they witnessed. They loved people. They wanted to save people. They wanted everyone to go. Hey, you don't have to suffer anymore. You can come do this. Meanwhile. I'm little Liza Jane suffering inside <laughs> going, oh, my God. I used to practice as a little child. Um, and I think my dad taught me this. If Satan or my demons came to me, I could say, get behind me, Satan. And I used to practice this if I was ever, yeah, and I could look at your face, if I ever came across this. So once I went into a graveyard with my friends, non-religious friends and I was like petrified so I was like get behind me Satan get behind me Satan just in case they yeah. popped up yeah yeah so how did you it's why people might think I was a kook <laughs> if they knew what was going on in my brain <laughs> so 
but so how did you how did you think of yourself mm. I mean it would be very hard to grow up with all of that stuff going on and think I'm a good person um or I deserve good things or how did you relate to yourself yeah um well, I learned I learned that I had to be a good person, so if I, a good girl, because um, if I was a good girl, then I would receive not just praise from my mum and dad, but I would also get praise from people in the congregation church, mm. um, because I like oh, Liza can answer that. Liza answered that um, question really well in congregation. Um, you know, we also got to do little talks and presentations or pretend role-playing of witnessing. Um, and so if I could do those things, I, I received praise. And so that's how I learned to be loved and obedient. Um, so don't question beliefs and everything oh, like that. Oh, yeah, well, of course. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it was very much um, about, um, you know, being good couldn't be evil not bad and um and pleasing self-sacrificing because that's what witnesses are doing you know once you're baptized you're self-sacrificing um to save others so for me I had to be the good girl and I had to um I believed I had to be perfect and that's how I got love and, um, you know, and I pleased everyone else because that made everyone happy. Mm. And the world is evil, you know, and everything outside is that the threat. So, um, you know, and I'm not also capable of thinking for myself. So mm. this is how it was. Um, but in t internally... I wasn't sure of myself. I didn't know where I belonged. Yeah. I I I didn't know what to think or believe. Like I had to be like I was being told what to believe. So yeah. where was that ability for me to think that? And I was fearful of always doing something wrong. Yeah, learning not to trust yourself, right? Yeah, but also right. not always knowing what's wrong or right. Yeah. Like when I was right. in high school, um, one of the uh, one of the elders in the church, so authority people mm. in the church, they were called elders. Their son went to high school with me, and I'd always get in trouble. The elder would drive over at night with his son to my see my dad to say what Liza Jane had done wrong at school. So it is spying. <laughs> If you have a son of an elder, yes, I was getting spied on. Not, but my brothers weren't. I was. Wow. Um, but I couldn't oh. understand. I couldn't yeah. understand some concepts. Like I mm. got in trouble because I was voted in as a house captain. And I'm like, oh, you know, I I had um, you know how we when we're at school, you like you've got school books and you put photos on pictures of mag yeah. from magazines, and I love fashion. I love beautiful things. Um, I love some celebrities, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. so I had them. I got told off for that. And then they went through in my room and I had posters on my walls and I had to remove that. It's like, oh, wow. So there was confusion. How do mm. I know? what I'm going to get in trouble for everything. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I have I, to be really good because otherwise I'll die. <laughs> yeah. It's kind and of I like get love. Yeah. I'm like, I don't get to be me. Hang on. Who is me? Hang on. Yeah. Oh, is mm. it wrong to be me? <laughs> yeah. Um, what, and to express myself or to even be interested in things or, oh, heaven forget for, for success, worldly success, being the voted in the captain or whatever. The, that's wow. Don't do that. You don't, wow. You're not encouraged to have a career um, or have higher education. And then, let alone be a woman in the congregation. It's really oh, interesting. okay. So just so talk. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It was really interesting. And whilst I, I can only reflect on where I was up until yep. fifteen, I don't mm. know if that, what's changed now. But it was only men in the congregation and elders who spoke and uh. did the talks. Well, not spoke. Yeah, but gave talks. Yeah. Um. If uh, women were participating in everything, we would like um you know be off to the side and just do a small demonstration i never saw a woman stand up and give you know a public sunday address or or lead a bible story or anything like that Mm. so yeah it's interesting it's interesting isn't it you know all these all these i'm going to call them institutions yes (laughs) all these institutions where where women are still being subjugated and um you know we we you and I have a, a mutual a- acquaintance who um who used to be uh, a buddhist yes and she holds the same opinion there that she realized women were being subjugated in that community as well mm. and controlled and yeah. um so it's certainly not only in the jehovah's witnesses but i hadn't realized that it was prevalent there as well yeah. When you were growing up, at least, yeah. Yes, yeah. Mm. And it was something I didn't realize realize until I thought about it. And I was like, oh, wait a second. What, you know, what would then my role have been? And it would be get married, have ch- you know, children, or not have children, just dedicate my life, but serving my husband and the congregation and Jehovah. Hmm. Um. And I know, I'm going to ask a question which I know will be from your perspective. Yeah. Um, from your point of view as a child, up, up until you were sort of up 15, you know, um, were there many people in the congregation who were happy people or was happiness itself frowned upon? <laughs> oh, that's an interesting question. Everyone was usually smiling and seeming in a good mood when they were in public. So we all had to be happy and smiling in front of each other. It's almost a facade we put on because you know, you couldn't question the belief. Yeah. Um yeah, no. I, I even when we went to what called what was called conventions, so two to three days, we're all immaculately dressed, and everyone was yes, yeah, smiling and happy and, and, and preaching. But I did mm. wonder, oh, what's going through everyone? Here's mm. here's me, a little girl having to sit still for hours on end, but. I was jittery and trembling and my leg sh- was shaking and I used to get told off for that or disciplined mm. for that. Um, and 
yeah, I I don't think there was the freedom to tell anyone that anything was going around. We never certainly talked about feelings or emotions or what was going on. I yeah. hid all that. It was like we all had masks masks on. So so was it then a sort of a situation where the facade, if the facade wasn't there and people were able to express if they were, you know, un- unhappy or dissatisfied or if there was discontent or whatever, then that, that actually would just be too challenging to the whole pre- premise of the faith itself. Is that? Yes, and it might have happened behind closed doors, mm. but I suspect that... Um, there might be a conversation of like, well, what are you being influenced with? Where's your mm. worldly, you know, connections? Maybe you need to step back into further faith and, you know, refer to the Bible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how how did you, you left, right? How, how did that go? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I was I was really fortunate. Um, in high in high school, I start, well, I started having a few issues with some of the children in the congregation and their parents. Hence, the son I went to high school mm. with always dobbing with me and the elders, and I also. I know I was a teenager, like going through puberty and getting to know myself and um, pushing some bounds, um, and I started rebelling. Whilst I pro- I was still attending, I was kind of living a double life, so I started to hide a lot of things because I, wa- I wanted to celebrate birthdays. I wanted to have sleepovers. I really wanted to see Dirty Dancing when I was growing up and I was banned from it. How many times have you seen it since? (laughs) All the time. I love it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Those small things, you know, those, I wanted to connect and do that. So I I basically started lying and hiding. Mm. Um, And, and so I would, um, I, I started babysitting when I was 12 so I could get some money. So that could enable me to, you know, give gifts to my friends and receive gifts. But like seriously, I had all the best hiding spots in, <laughs> in my room. Although maybe my maybe my mother did know. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I certainly don't think my dad did. Mm. Um, um but it was almost like I was having a ma- I was living dual life. Um and I just started to rebel again and not wanting to go to uh, and participate. Like certainly was not going to go door knocking. Um, and I was really fortunate that mum gave you know us the choice. Um, I can't mm. remember the conversation with um, my dad, but mum certainly gave us the choice to continue or not, which is great because then we could still be supportive. And that was about f- fifteen. Um, however, if we were living under their their house, um, you know, their roof, we still had to abide by you know their rulings and everything. So I still yeah. wasn't allowed to watch Dirty Dancing. <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't need to attend meetings and that, although they did try the, their best and um, leave publications by my bedside for me to read about sex before marriage and kissing boys and masturbation and yeah. these things. Yeah. Um, 
yeah and then when I was 18 I I, I left left home and I actually yeah. moved from the north of Tasmania Launceston mm. to the south of um, Tasmania to go to schooling and that's when um, I could I really rebelled about against everything that I wasn't allowed to do so yeah, yeah to try and find out who I was yeah but also hide who I'd been so that hiding feeling like you had to hide who you were hide it it that that continued that sense of oh I can't tell anyone you know I can't first I can't in in the Jehovah's Witness at home I can't I can't I, I can't I can't tell people what I'm doing and now and then you can't tell people where you'd been what your upbringing had been so did so did that continue even later was that did that become something that you you know did it express itself in different ways as life went on oh yeah certainly um I, I think because in later later lives I you know I had these wonderful patterns of behavior such as perfectionism imposter syndrome people pleasing I suffered anxiety panic attacks the list went on went on but certainly imposter um mm. you know if I heard anyone joke about door knocking Jehovah's Witnesses or something I would seriously I would like my whole body would tense up because I'm like Oh my god imagine if they find out the shame the rejection they'll reject mm. me because they'll yeah. think I'm still of that faith and I'm a kook and um yeah the humiliation and I'll be ostracized so yeah I was um I did everything to um yeah or protect for someone not to look like and look under you know or further down that um it's interesting I like any of my ch childhood friends or friends I associated with kind of lost contact with them when I did move away um so none and, of them none of them left the faith or some of them did or uh, well, most of them weren't in the face right. okay. um, in the end because mm -hmm. of, you know, what when I was about like 15, I could start to associate with more. But they, some of them knew some elements of that, but mm -hmm. I could never bring them home because no. my dad would preach to them. Yeah. My getting mortified. <laughs> so like, yeah, no one's ever coming to my house. Um, uh, and so that just kind of um, dissolved. But also reflecting you know now that I've done my you know work on myself and have self-awareness that wasn't me I was pleasing them I was trying to fit in I was trying to look like them trying to be like them because I felt like I didn't belong so it wasn't probably a real friendship mm -hmm. um or I just went along with everything because I didn't know anything I didn't and I couldn't question anything mm -hmm. um so I could I could find my own independence and what I liked here but interestingly when I moved away, I became such an intention seeker and so loud and, um, yeah, full of life and everything because I didn't want anyone to look under under over there and see right. that. So I'm going to be so busy protecting all this other personality. It was a decoy. <laughs> Don't look there. Over here. <laughs> oh, God. Gosh, and and 
And that fear of rejection is such a powerful human, human primitive fear, isn't it? Um, oh. And I, I know this is a, a hypothetical question, but I, um, in fact, I'm not even going to ask it. I just, I, I, I imagine, you know, when we're in a community, um, if we fear enough that we're going to be rejected, if we dare to question, dare to challenge or dare to leave the community, well, for a lot of people, that's a good enough reason to, to stay in it, even if it's not aligned with really who we are or our values or, you know, that, that desperate need to be safe, to feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also we don't, we don't know how to think or how will we survive. Like, mm. yeah. You know, if you think about what, I, like, I was taught, it's a narrow, narrow focus of the world. So I, I didn't have a big picture, and I wouldn't, wouldn't know some of the things to be able to explore that, yeah. and be able to survive, and etc. So how did um, you learn the skills? How did you learn the skills that you hadn't been taught when you were a child? I mean, you're just, you're a very naturally curious person and you ask questions and um, you're adventurous. I mean, how did you, because <laughs> um, I know that, you know, and your spiritual home is New York of all places. I mean, you know, so, so, so did it take you long to kind of develop that or was it just such a part of who you were that once you were free to be that, you, you it just kind of fell into place. Well, in college, I I started to um. Well, I still yeah, I started taking geography and travel, mm. um, as well as accounting. I was going to be an accountant. That doesn't seem like you, LJ. But no, you know, I know no. you'd be very good at anything that you tried because you were a perfectionist. <laughs> Yes, both, exactly. I can say right. we're we're recovered. We're both recovered perfectionists. So I know we can. I can say that to you. Exactly. <laughs> no, if you ask people um, how I am with money, they'd be like, "Oh, you wouldn't be able to balance those books." <laughs> um, uh, it just falls through my fingers. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I I was taking courses based on what people had you know told me and my beliefs mm. of myself and um and also to fit in or where to where to where to go to go to school and um as in if I went on to do a higher education um and and I was taking geography and travel and it was like really I was loving it and I was like this is really interesting and I wanted to learn more and I had a thirst for learning more and I um, was exploring either going and doing um, a Bachelor of Commerce at university because that's the University of Tasmania because that was where my friends were going and my boyfriend at the time um, other but there was also this um, dry style course in Hobart around advanced diploma of tourism and travel and so I was like oh I'm really interested in doing that. But I didn't know um, what I was going to do and I didn't yeah. know about that and there was another course in hospitality, so I applied for that mm -hmm. and applied for um, all, all elements. Um, and interestingly, Drysdale College rang me up and they said, you've applied for tourism and a um, diploma in tourism and travel but also hospitality. You have to make a choice. 
I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm not used to making a choice. Um, so I, I went with tourism and travel, and um, and I decided to. Uh, it was was a very big brave step to move away from home, move away from my family, and 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 come and do something that I was passionate about. Um, but I think in a, another aspect, it was enabled me to get away from the religion and and living under my parents, mm. and. I think that gave me some independence. I had to just fall on my feet um, and, you know, work out how do I survive? Um, You know, I have to get a a job and I have to, you know, study and provide for myself and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And studying travel and tourism, naturally, then you get to travel and you have those experiences. So I was able to throw myself out into the world and, um, be really brave even though flying scared the living daylights out of me <laughs> everything scared the living daylights out of me right, right. um but you know once I first started traveling oh mm, first for freedom. adventure freedom mm. and learning new things like finding out stuff that it was I was exposed to so much more so that thirst for knowledge came along with then perfectionism, <laughs> further perfectionism and having to get everything right. <laughs> so interestingly, I, 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 until I left home, religion, that life, I, I wasn't very academic. Like I wasn't great at school um, all through primary and high school and college. It wasn't until I... Um, left that I started to achieve academically Mm. um which I thought was really interesting uh it's almost like my brain was able to open up and 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 start to really fire Mm. better at the same time um that led me down the path of you know perfectionism yeah and I can't get anything on. I'm not allowed to make mistakes all that, yes. that sort of stuff yeah. yeah so um so that 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 stuff because you mentioned anxiety and panic attacks and did that stop or did you have to do more work to resolve that well I I actually um started taking Xanax Actually, this thing started with Valium to fly, to mm. working in travel. Uh, so I like graduated and started working for SGA travel and we got to like travel an amazing destination. And so then I had to take something to fly with. Um, and then Valium wasn't going to touch the side, so I moved to Xanax. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm and- laughing, but it would have been Oh, it would have been horrible. And we're laughing because you're so well now and you're happy and you clearly know yourself <laughs> and you're, you know, doing what you you want to do with your life. And so we can laugh, but yeah, but <laughs> it would have been just dreadful. Oh, oh, 100%. Bump, <laughs> bump in the sky, like going to die. But I was, yeah, but I was going to die the, my whole life, like from a little kid, stuck down if I did something wrong. Yeah. Now I'm going to fall out of the sky. Um <laughs> And uh, and and that then led um, me to um, start seeing psychologists for the anxiety and the panic attacks that started to come out and depression mm. um, that had like 
like physically was then impacting mm. um, how I was living. And um, but once again, my perfectionism, I'd see a psychologist and then like, you know, I'd be really well and they would write to my doctor and say that she's doing really well and off I go. And yeah, I'd implement what it, the tools that I needed to to help me or got my anxiety into a good, good place. But then I would like trip up and mm. I couldn't go back to the same psychologist. Oh, because it felt like you'd failed. Yep. Yep. So I had yeah. to take another one. Then I got to a place where I used to then, I was then telling my psychologist when I'm like, oh, my new psychologist, hi, I'm going to tell you now, do not tell me I'm doing a great job because <laughs> as soon as I fail, I will not come back and see you. <laughs> <laughs> and still they'd be like, she's doing a great job. <laughs> oh, now it's all stuffed again. But um, I started, I was then, I was medicated, um, yeah. And was told that I would have to take this medication for the rest of my life. They actually oh, I, looked. Yeah. No, no. I, did, go ahead. You go. You go. <laughs> they did a, I have, I had a um, beautiful uh, mental health nurse, a, a, a doctor's practice who drew my um, family tree and was like, oh, where is it in your, you know, anxiety or depression in, in your um, family? And then said, "Well, look, it's oh. in it's in your family. Uh, you, so you're going to just have to take this and um and medication for the rest of your life." And I'm like, at twenty twenty eight, mm. I don't know, roughly mm. that. Being told I'm going to have to take medication for the rest of my life. Yeah, no, that's a long time. And that is such a that is such a backwards view. Oh, well, it's in your family, so sorry, you're stuck with it. No, no, no. The question is, why is it in your family? Yes. Uh, you know, why? Uh, mm, and we we both know that you now, you know, we know that anxiety and depression and panic attacks, they're all expressions of I'm not safe. <laughs> I'm not safe. Hello, alarm bells, you know. And even though you consciously were like, okay, I don't believe in Armageddon, maybe. I'm just, this is just, I don't know whether you, you know, but but even though you could consciously think, no, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. If you're your unconscious was going, uh-uh, no, you're freaking not. Yeah. You're going to die. Yeah. Um, because of the stuff you grew up, you grew up with, right? Um, exactly. I hope. Fear of death. Mm. Yeah, I was, you know, the amount of times I touch wood in my life, like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I'm in a plane touching my head. <laughs> I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, yeah. And what finally, if you're happy to talk about it, what finally got you past that? Yeah. Well, real life challenges and events over the last 10 years of my life from 33 onwards um to 44 so just two years ago accumulated in like panic attacks um I started um so bad that I couldn't go to work mm. um uh if I was at work I was hyper manic mm. super manic and I was stressed and overwhelmed and um uh I, I was a manager in my role and um and we you know did feedback and and I can reflect on this 
because it was when I was about 44. And, you know, people would say, oh, when LJ's super stressed and I won't be can't like approach her. And that's true because I was just like, you know, don't touch me, I'm reactive and, and mm. everything like that. Um, and um, and I had poor health. I was I was sick all the time, which I learnt later on was just, you know, my my body trying to protect me because imagine the energy mm. from constantly jittery and hypervigilant. Like, hypervigilant, yeah, exactly. Being mm. manic, um oh just exhausting yeah I mean, imagine what that was to the people around me <laughs> I have said to my colleagues and past managers oh my god like <laughs> and I had no awareness mm. oh, I was too, so busy just trying to like stay safe keep yeah. functioning yeah keep functioning to be loved because I was also going through the whole world, my just waking up, my primary drive for um, life was that I wanted everyone to like me. Yeah. So I would do everything to do that. Mm. So that would be life of the party, be a fun entertainer, go along with everyone, what everyone thinks, et cetera. Like, and and running yourself ragged at work because that kept everyone happy, right? That too. Oh, exactly. And I was mm. achieving. And in the end, even my achievements didn't give me any satisfaction. Mm. And so um I the patterns that had kept me safe and loved, you know, in that world that I was living in in my mm. head started to just crack and I was cracking and I was burnt out and I was a reactive and um and overreacting to circumstances and things that were happening and so I was just like well actually I ended up getting really depressed and I didn't actually realize how depressed I was mm. and so I was really at a point of despair just I was you know um Professionally and personally, there were cracks and, you know, I was losing some friends and, yeah, it was it was not a great place mm. and I was just not happy with myself and and withdrawing um, and I was like, oh, there must be something more to this. Mm. And it was actually um, through doing some leadership work at, at work and I have shared with the management team that this this saved my life, that I came across um, TRTP therapy. Mm. And I, I, I was constantly always looking to resolve my anxiety. You know, I saw psychologists, brought every self-help book there is and, and read that. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give anything anything a try, you know, if this will help me because mm. I'm I'm really struggling now um, and and I didn't like where it could end up going with how I was being. And, um, and yeah, I, I did the work and, wow, there's so much stuff I did not know or see, the self-awareness that brought for me, but the the lightness that completely it, it transformed my life it transformed who I was but not in terms of 
um, a personality um, change. It, it just took away all this anxiety and fear and all these unconscious core beliefs like that I'm not enough and I ha- I have to be perfect to be loved and I have to hide to be safe I have to hide I have to live a double life uh, I have to please everyone yeah. oh the self-doubt mm. the lack of confidence um because you know, to an outside world apart from being you know, super manic and always twitching and moving. Um, you know, everyone thought I was ambitious, competitive, super confident. Mm. Inside, I was like dying, waiting for someone to go. I don't think she's all she's cracked up to be. I think she's faking it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it gave me it just completely freed me from all that and just switched on so much self-awareness to be and to understand I Mm. could not see any of this I couldn't see how I was in the world because I was so far in my head (laughs) and because you know when our normal's been our normal forever uh you know yes we can yes we can read self-help books we can meditate we can well can't meditate if we're hyper vigilant we we can't but but, you know, we can develop a certain amount of awareness. We can sort of say, oh, why is that behavior like that? Oh, because of this. Why is that behavior like that? Oh, because of this. But but there are some things that we simply are blind to because they're so ingrained in what we accept as our identity, we wouldn't even think to question it. And, you know, when I did TRTP too, um, I mean, I was in a different situation than that. I I did it thinking um, as a part of the training and we are now colleagues. You are now a certified TRTP <laughs> practitioner, um, right? And, yeah. <laughs> and so I did the process as a part of my training. And um, I know some people have heard this before, but it's, I, I thought, oh, you know, be interesting. It's fine. I don't need it. I'm fine. <laughs> and it absolutely has transformed my life. And one of the things that I'd been blind to was this crushing sense that when something went wrong, it was always my fault. It was my fault. And like you, I'd had the perfectionism, the imposter syndrome. Um, And when I look back at when I was even at high school and I used to have thoughts like, all these teachers are thick. Can't they see I'm not nearly as smart as they think I am? I mean, what's wrong with them? I mean, (laughs) I mean... (laughs) That's how I explained it. I was like, they're all thick (laughs) because I'm not that smart. (laughs) How did I not get that? (laughs) So funny. It is so funny. Yeah. That's the same. I I would be, I lived in my head, like overthinking and, but that, that, that thing of everything's my fault. I might be walking into the kitchen at work and someone didn't talk to me or didn't look at me and I'm like what did I do yeah everything's personal you take everything personally <laughs> yep I get it yeah. and I was like well actually I, that person's just busy living their life yeah. <laughs> like, uh, trying to trying to work out what's in their brain they I've done nothing it's not my fault but then I'm like and then I'm uh, the rest of the afternoon <laughs> trying to work it out oh my God, what did I do I'm like oh my goodness <laughs> But even the interesting thing about how you you thinking that the teachers like you know are they thick? <laughs> For me, 
I, I believed I wasn't naturally smart. Mm. And so that I had to work and work and I had to work much harder than everyone else. So I'm not, I'm not now naturally intelligent and naturally talented or intelligent. Mm. But if I just work really hard, pull all-nighters, read everything, prepare everything, memorise everything, then I, I reckon I can pull off. Yeah. 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 And there are, there are so many people living with that, living with that sense. I mean, at least we've got a, a term for it now. At least we've got the term imposter syndrome and people hear about yes. imposter syndrome. But when you're living it, it's real. And oh. you think you're going to be found out. You're not thinking, oh, I've got imposter syndrome. I'm, I, you know, that's what this is. You, you're not able, you're not objective about it. Um, <laughs> and I have a, a friend who um, was invited. He's spoken about this publicly. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay sharing his story a little bit. I won't say who it is necessarily, but he, a very, very smart person who, you know, um, was invited to go and do his doctorate or PhD or something at Oxford. And he thought to himself, if I can just fly under the radar for long enough, I might just get away with this. Um, and his mother had actually said, just keep your head down and you might you might get away with it. So it's easy to see where his stuff came from. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, but it's not a coincidence. If you get into Oxford and get offered a position to do your doctorate, PhD, whatever, well, there's reason for that, <laughs> you know. Um <laughs> Yeah, extraordinary. And and you know, look, I'm 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 very grateful to you that you have shared um this part of your experience. It takes courage to do so. And um why now? <laughs> it's a it's a very good question. Um and I think that's along the lines of courage mm. and also um, I'm confident in who I am. I know the truth of who I am without all of these ideas and beliefs that I took on. Um, I, yeah, I, yeah. I am, I know who I am and it's okay to be me. It's safe to be me. It's safe to have that childhood um mm. it it has shaped and formed me in some way and now I've just got the great parts about it that like have helped me yeah. and I I want to share this story because it might resonate with someone else yeah. um um I there might be something that people go, oh, wow. It might be a little glimmer of understanding or self-awareness. Um, and I, I I, don't want people to struggle like I have and did. Mm. Them to be able to feel free and creative and have self-confidence and just have fun and live life as it is without coming from fear and have time and 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 space and yeah just not carry that heaviness and that that was the biggest thing i i felt and when after doing ti trtp therapy i was like when the shift went i, I was like oh there's something's not there anymore 
Yeah. I feel light. I was actually hanging out clothes on the clothesline. And I absolutely, it was the work we did. And I was like, whoa, that heaviness is gone. I'm just mm. not struggling every day and mm. having more energy <laughs> and fun. Like how tiring. Yeah. How tiring keeping the facade. Yeah. Pleasing everyone, being in my head. Oh, God, I'm exhausted thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Such but a I'm, burden. But I'm not, I I don't need to seek external validation. Mm. I'm confident in who I am and, um, yeah, I, 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 I just hope that this could help someone else because yeah. I would just hope, hate for someone to, not be not being able to find or hear this kind of conversation because yeah it is re re really hard um to, to you know a, well as i said i think i, I hit it um yeah. even even this year i was um hanging out with a friend who i've known for years and i just mentioned something in passing about growing up in jehovah's witness family and she's like what <laughs> i didn't know that about you um, yeah. So well, you know, just... I know. Yeah. I mean, I I know that your um, having shared this will will help people. And um, and let's face it, I bet there are a lot of people out there who um, who don't want to say what their childhood was, who don't hmm. want to look at that or admit it, yeah. um, or who think that well, I'm this is who I am and this is how I'm going to be and I can't get well. I can't, I can't get well. Like that doctor telling you in your 20s, you'll be on medication for the rest of life. Why? Oh, because somebody in your family had mental health issues. Oh, please, everyone, please, if you've been told that, don't believe it. No. Uh, no. Liza Jane and I, you know, as practitioners and the rest of our practitioner um, community, we see people heal every day. Yes. resolve their past trauma whether or not you think of it as trauma yes <laughs> resolve stuff that's happened in the past that's had an ongoing effect on you we see it resolving for people every day yes and um and you're a another living example of that Liza Jane so yes. I on behalf of all of us I want to thank you for your courage in sharing your story and, you know, just for the record, you are one of the most joyful, love-filled people <laughs> I have ever met in this life. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I, I think the same of you. And I do want, I do want to say, um, and um, because I think it's important for the listeners to know or anyone, you know, anyone who hears this is that I didn't actually think I had any trauma. Mm. when when I uh, undertook um, TRTP therapy. So I think mm. that's really important was like, well, I don't have any trauma, but I'll try anything because I'm at a yep. point of despair. Um, so, yeah, yep. that's, uh, it's something to don't discount that, be open, open to it because you'll be surprised at, mm. um, yeah, what can impact us and be classified as or, you know, and distress event yeah. and impact our how we are. Yep, absolutely. Mm. Yep. <laughs> thank you so much. No, nice thank today. you. It's a joy to speak with you today. Ditto. And I look forward to more conversations. And listeners and watchers, 
thank you. Thank you from the bottoms of our hearts for, for joining us and being a part of this conversation. And I look forward to speaking with you over the waves next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.